Hey, that's right, there we are. That was a bit unceremonious. But here I am, it's me, John Park, and uh, this is John Park's workshop. Uh, it's not crazy hot here today, so I'm gonna dare to turn off that air conditioner. Uh, welcome. Thanks for coming, everybody. Uh, I see we've got some people over in the Discord chat and YouTube. Hello and welcome. Uh, if you're joining us in Facebook or uh, I think we've got LinkedIn. That's right. I think we got LinkedIn running today. I need to go check that out. I'm not going to do it right now because my mind will explode because it's too many places. Uh, but yeah, so there's a LinkedIn Live, I think, that has, has begun. So wild. Someone check that out. Uh, and we're also over on, what did I say, Facebook, on Twitch. So uh, most of the chat, however, is here on Discord. Look, it's right here. Let me, let me bring up the Discord for you and I will show you. Uh, it's true. It's right there. Look, that's it. That's Discord. And uh, you can go to Discord if you try, uh, what? Googling Discord and Adafruit. That's, that's what I'm going to recommend because I can never remember the URL. But someone will put it in the chat and then I'll say it. And that's how that works, which is cool. So it's a conversation. Uh, it's a place to hang out and it's a place to discuss stuff. So please come on by our Discord. Uh, we have uh, like 50 bazillion uh, users right now. In fact, if someone right now is in Discord, oh, there it is. Thank you, Mr. Certainly. It is. I'm going to read this so I get it right. Uh, it is adafruit.it slash discord. That's going to give you info on how to, how to get the, I think you need an invite and the link gives you the invite. Uh, in fact, if someone who's super savvy is in our discord right now, you can type in little bot commands and find out how many people we've got on our server and how many people are online right now. All of that is possible on the discord. So come check it out. I'm also keeping one eyeball over on the YouTube chat. Because uh, that one's easy for me to keep that extra eyeball on, too. So, uh, so let's see. What have we got today? We've got some cool stuff in store today. Uh, first thing I want to do is uh, mention our job board. And uh, if you didn't know it, we have a job board at jobs.adafruit.com. And it's free. And here's some of the kind of stuff. You know what? I've, I've shown people posting job positions on, on the job board uh quite a few times in the past, but I don't think I've ever shown the, hey, look, who's available for hire? You can place your resume and your info up there for free. You can post jobs that you're looking to hire people for for free. So look at if you're in Germany and you need a PCB designer, IoT, and embedded system developer, here's your, here's your person right here. Uh, engineering entry level, embedded development, technical services, web developers, 3D and CAD, 3D artist in Baldwin Park, California. So um, look at that, another 3D person, a generalist, CAD fabricator, also in Los Angeles, represent. Uh, so please go and check out the jobs board if you're looking to hire someone or if you're looking to uh, post a job because uh, that's what it's there for. So uh, we encourage you to check it out. Now, uh, how about we have a, uh, a look at a coupon code and I just can't get enough of the word trash panda. So that's the coupon code for today, and that's going to get you 10% off until midnight tonight on the East Coast time. Uh, and you can use that on all the goods in the store, not on software and not on gift certificates, not on subscriptions, but on actual things, physical stuff, nothing digital, nothing theoretical, only actual uh, bits, atoms, not bits, atoms, only the atoms. You can get 10% off, just type in Trash Panda when you get to that checkout. And uh, perhaps you're wondering, 
What should I get? Well, it's funny you should wonder that because I have a product of the week that I have picked out. And uh, it is this. It is the PowerBoost Shield. I have one right here. So the PowerBoost Shield is uh, pretty excellent. Uh, I have it mounted here on a Metro M4, but it'll mount on pretty much anything with Arduino spacing. So Uno style spacing, as I guess we call it now. Um, so that can be the Metro, that can be older Arduinos, like a Dieci Mila Nove, or Due Mila Nove, or Dieci Mila. Uh, it could be, I think, a Grande, the, the, the um, Metro Grand Central, not the Grande. Uh, so that is, what is this thing, right? I'm talking about where you can put it on. This is a boost converter that will take the 3.7 volts from a LiPo and convert it to the 5 or 5.1, I think, uh, maybe 5.2 volts uh, that the Arduino or the Metro is really happy to run with. And uh, not only that, it's got a charging circuit built on it, so you can plug in a, a micro USB and charge your uh, battery. It's got an on-off switch on it, so right now I've turned that on. You can see a little blue glowing light, and look underneath. There's the, um, the green LED. I've got that NeoPixel lit up green right now. On this, So if you're looking to do some sort of a mobile application, uh, a, a, a wireless, a battery-powered application, this is a pretty good one because I've actually gotten really uh, used to and kind of spoiled by the charging circuit that's built into the feather boards. And so uh, I forget sometimes that if I'm going to build something using one of these larger style boards, there's, uh, there's not a super convenient way to charge it. But this is one. This is a blast from the past. This has been around in the store for a long time. Um, you can stack other shields on top of it as well. So that is the, the product of the week. Here's another picture of it. That's kind of like the one I've been holding there. Um, and uh, it's got stacking headers. So you solder those stacking headers on and then you can put it through onto the board. Pull this off here carefully. So there's, that's it. It can stack with other headers on top of it. So that is my product pick of the week. I'm gonna get this uh, sampler sequencer out of the way here. And I'm going to drink some delicious iced coffee. And uh, you know what? That's going to bring us to this thing. Yes, so let's get all set up here. And I'm going to give you something that I like to call the Make Code Minute. And so in make code arcade i want to show you an extension that i think is super cool and it's called button combination and the way we get this is we head to advanced we head to extensions i've already picked it so you won't see it here but there's an extension called combos once you add that when you head to the controller section you now have this new section called combos and so what i've done is i've grabbed this top one on button combination so this is very similar to on button pressed, which is something we use to do things in games a lot. In fact, I have one right here on button pressed. I'm using it actually to set my animation to idle state. But what the button combination does is super cool. It lets you to it lets you string together combinations of buttons that the player has to use to perform an action. So if you think of something like Street Fighter 2, if you're going to send a fireball, you know there's a button combination with a joystick that's not just hitting a single button. Uh, if you're going to shoot a fireball, it's actually like this little back circle thing, right? So I've set up something like that where a button combination of left, down, right, and up, 
so left, down, right, up, will perform an action. In this case, it's going to activate the attack animation. So here what I'll do is run the simulator. And now that it's running, if I go left, down, right, up, he's going to start doing this big attack. And then I've actually set it to stop the attack when I hit the A button. Uh, and what I wanted to do also is show this to you in practice on the down shooter right here. I'm going to show it running on a Pi Gamer. And so now if I do that circle type of motion with my thumbstick, I get this endless little sword attack. And then I'll hit A to go back to idle. And so that is a really cool uh, extension that lets you make your games quite a bit fancier. And so that is a way you can use button combinations as an input inside of Make Code Arcade. Right? Pretty cool, huh? Uh, in fact, you could set up your left, right, left, right, up, down, up, down, A, B, I think, or B, A. I think that's the Konami code, right? Um, famous code. I don't even remember what game from. There's my gamer cred gone down the toilet. But uh, it's a pretty fa famous uh, button combo for like an Easter egg type of thing. So someone in the Discord chat is now going to yell at me or maybe just be helpful and say, hey, that, uh, that button combo, here's what it is and here's what it does. Um, but again, I think this is really cool. The, the developers, I have to uh, really applaud the developers at Microsoft, the team that works on Make Code and Make Code Arcade, because they are continually adding really great stuff that I'm sure just comes up in conversation or someone's trying to build a certain type of game and they say, hey, wait a second, it's a really, you know, there's no, no easy way to string together combinations of things. We have the D-pad and we have A, B, and A plus B. Those are kind of the, the original control um, choices that you have. Um, and then on top of that also there's the uh, accelerometer and the light sensor that we can use on the Pi Gamer. So I think I'm going to try something with, uh, with some of that in the next couple weeks. Um, so those are extra controls that also exist inside of Make Code Arcade for using with uh, boards like the Pi Gamer. Um, okay, so thank you Mr. Certainly. He's posted in the Discord. I'll pop this up here. Uh, so the Konami code is... Oh, oh, up, down, down, left, right, left, right, B, A. Thank you. And what was it originally for? It's cheat code and appears in many video games. All right. I wonder what the first was, but I'm not going to read Wikipedia aloud to you on this show because it doesn't seem like a great use of our time. Uh, so check it out yourself. Please head on over to Discord. Um, and so that now actually brings us to the project of the week. And so you'll notice that I've got this... Uh, name of the show right here, Trash Panda Game. And what I'm going to do is head back over to Make Code. I'm going to switch tabs. Let that load. Um, and by the way, I will say, if you are using Make Code Arcade right now, use the beta. So arcade.makecode.com slash beta uh, will get you good pretty stable. I actually haven't had much much difficulty with stability, but it's kind of the newest stuff. Uh, and so I recommend using beta. Also, if you ever have any issues with it, you can force reload your browser um, if it seems to have stalled or something. But again, it's something that I've, uh, I've been impressed at the stability of it. But sometimes I'll find that there's a new feature that's been released and I'm running a session and I'll just force reload it to get that up. So what I've got uh, today is this game called 
Trash Panda. And in fact, what I'm going to do is launch it here. Whoops. And we can have a look at it. And then I'm going to play it on my Pi Gamer. And then we're going to talk about some of the cool features. So you can see what, what, we're, what we're doing here. I've got a splash screen that showed up for five seconds there. This is Trash Panda. It has this cute logo. And then we have a little instruction, just a one-page instruction. It says, Lynn, the trash panda, needs to get to the top of the building. Mash A to climb right side. B for left. Avoid the bricks. And, I, and I've actually got a new enemy we need to avoid. Um, and by the way, oh, let me stick my mug back in here. Hey, uh, this is based, if you don't remember, a couple years ago in Minneapolis, there was a raccoon that decided to climb the UBS building. And it was a, uh, a viral video and an internet sensation as everyone was rooting for this raccoon who did, in fact, in the end of it, I think slept the night on a windowsill and then made it up uh, at two in the morning or something like that to the roof. And animal control was able to set a trap, uh, a, a humane trap with some cat food in it and presumably re uh, bring it back to somewhere it would rather be than on top of a building. Um, so this game is based on that. And there was a mechanical uh, cardboard and um, Adafruit Cricket game that uh, used a motorized uh, pulley and two um, touch sensors that uh, Lady Ada and PT built. So this is based on that, which was based on that. Um, phew, so here's what happens. Um, I'm gonna press A. So this is this um, splash or prompt type of um, block, which you can type in text into, decide where it positions on the screen, and then it waits for the user to press A. So when I hit this, the game is going to start. And basically now I have two controls. I can hit A or B, and that's going to switch the side of the building that I'm climbing up. If I stop uh, mashing that button, then I'm going to slide back down. And generally you want to be going up, but sometimes you can get out of the way of, whoops, falling bricks. Uh, Whoa, and here comes birds. This is the new addition. I've added crows this morning, these purple crows. Uh, why are they purple, you ask? I couldn't see them against the backgrounds there. Sometimes they were flying over those black buildings, so I made them purple. Hey, you hit me in the tail there. Uh, so you can see some features I've got here are, ow, uh, I'm losing health when I get hit by one of these obstacles. I've got a little three-frame animation that runs when I um, am, ah, just gamed over when I uh, hit one of those buttons. And then I have this kind of like endless scrolling building. So why don't we, I know I keep teasing what happens at the end of this game, but I'm gonna, I'm gonna switch over to the Pi Gamer and do it there. So let me bring a different one into screen here. And turn this off. Oh, hey, that's too many of me. How about, that's what I want. All right, so I think it should be this one here. So I'm going to turn this on. You might hear the sound effects now, too. Let's see. I don't know how loud they are. Control plat. I don't have any music playing yet. Okay, so you hear I've got bricks falling sounds. Those bird sounds are the chirp chirps. And then I've got a little cute climbing sound for Lynn the trash panda. Oh, and I've made it to the top. And we get a little sparkly animation, and we get the UBS uh, logo there to light up. And we win. 
So uh, that's the exciting conclusion to, to a level of uh, Trash Panda. So now let's look at how it's actually made. Uh, so let's pop up this session and I'm gonna close that full screen. So the simulator has this little full screen button. All right, so let's talk about some of these features. The, uh, we start off with this on start block here and you'll see one thing I'm doing now when I make a more complex game is I'm creating a, uh, a little debugger. So I have a mode that I can flip between true and false and that means I can do things like turn off damage or allow free roam of the board with the regular D-pad, uh, make the splash screen go quicker, don't, don't wait for the question to get answered and things like that. So uh, that's helpful and I'll point out places where that's in use. Right now I'm gonna leave debug in false mode. Uh, so then I call this intro function and I'm gonna do a little bit of zooming around as I look for things. So intro, Where'd you go? There it is. So intro function here, you can see the first thing I do is I set the background to this image. So this is not an image that I painted in here. It is one that I created over in uh, Photoshop and then uh, a sprite and brought in using the uh, asset tool that I showed a couple weeks ago. Uh, then here you can see if the debugger is on, I'm only gonna pause half a second. Otherwise in normal mode, I wait five seconds with that up and then I show that um, long text, which is the, the description of the game. Okay, then back over here, after that's done, I'm essentially using the background image. You can change the background image so that initially I use background as the um, uh, splash screen, and then I'm gonna set it to sort of the full game background. So as the full game background, I did create this here inside of uh, Make Code's Sprite Editor, editor just using a big block brush and the line tool. So in here, here's a little Easter egg. If you hit L, it switches the pencil tool back and forth to the line tool. Um, so that becomes my background. And then I create a tile map. And we've covered this before, particularly uh, in the side-scrolling game, except this time I've made it vertical. So these tiles represent the full game level uh, and it's bigger than one screen. So we're gonna need to scroll in this case up instead of sideways. Uh, and then I'm using the different colored, uh, index colored tiles to do different things. Some of them at the bottom here just show up as a graphic. So this purple, let me see if I can zoom in here a bit. Uh, so this purple, can you see that? Sorry, I just have to go back and forth a little. Yes. Uh, so this purple is gonna be just a graphic of the road. Uh, same with the next one. And then I've got this blue spot, that's where my character spawns. And so I'll show you in a second how that works. Uh, this is the main building. The black blocks represent where I have those little open window tiles. Otherwise, I have the closed window tiles. Uh, and then some of the more interesting ones, these pink ones at the top, that's where I'm dropping the bricks from. And these beige ones on the left and these sort of darker beige ones on the right are where the birds are coming from. So those don't actually end up needing to look like anything. In fact, we'll never see those in the game, but it's a convenient way of setting up positions where things occur. And then up at the top, some of these colored blocks are where I'm placing the logos and the goal. Uh, so I've set bricks that have sprites on them that when I touch them, the game, uh, I win the game. So that is the next step here. Let's zoom back out a little bit so you can see more at a time. Uh, then I'm doing some more function calls. So the goal setup, let's go look at the goal setup. This is where we're gonna create logos 
And let me move this one out of that guy's way, this one long text. Uh, so in the goal setup here, you can see I create some sprites. I've got my little key logo and my text logo for UBS. Those sit up at the top of the building. I'm also setting Z-depth, so they appear in front of other tiles. And then I'm setting uh, some sprites up that are right above those, so the character kind of has to reach up into a little bit past those logos. Uh, and those I'm calling of kind goal. And what I'm going to do later is have a game update loop that checks to see if the character overlaps the, uh, either the goal sprites, and that's when we, that's when we win the game. Uh, and then I'm placing, this is where I place those sprites that I've created on top of the colored uh, tiles in the tile map. Okay, so so far so good. And let me know, I got, I got an eye on, on Discord uh, and YouTube if anyone has any questions uh, so far of how this is working. Uh, then, let's go back to our start loop. Level setup. Alright, so this is a big one. And you can see why I make these into functions so that I don't uh, just have one big giant scrolling endless loop. So here what I do is I set uh, tiles on top of the tile map position. So that's my regular window and that's my open window just for some some variety, and I was inspired by looking at Rampage. If you look at the buildings in Rampage, they're a good example of, of doing some cute stylized buildings. I've got a couple trees that I'm setting in there. Uh, these are the tiles on the ground, and the tile I spawn from is that blue one. Uh, some yellow tiles that are part of the building, uh, and also where the goal uh, animation occurs, or the goal overlap occurs. And some, uh, here's one that's just going to look like the sky, but it's also something I can pin something to and the bottom of the road. And that bottom of the road one is set to a wall, so I can't go through it and neither can the bricks um, because that's got that wall check turned on. All right, uh, now what we do is center the camera at the position where I want it to start. And then I turn on the, these uh, dropping of bricks, sending of crows. Uh, I flip a variable that says the goal has not yet been met because it's a condition I need to check for to see whether or not we're allowed to um, continue spawning bad guys. And then has the game started or not? Again, something I use to decide whether or not pressing the buttons does anything. Because otherwise you'll be able to press buttons while the uh, splash screen is on. And then I also set, since I've already, oh, I skipped over this Lin setup. So Lin is our trash panda. And sorry, there's, there's some uh, workers with a jackhammer outside, so you might hear that. Uh, so Lynn, our trash panda, has a setup block which is pretty elaborate because I kept all the animation uh, inside of this one block. So you could break this into multiple functions, but I didn't. So I'm setting Lynn to a sprite, and here's this little raccoon uh, sprite that I created based on Bruce Yan's uh, uh, designs for Adafruit because we've used we've designed this character before. I set the life life uh, value to seven so I can get hit in the head with a crow or a brick seven times. Uh, this checks is the debugger on or off. If the debugger is on, then I can move with the D-pad and just kind of fly through the scene, which is helpful. Then I position Lynn. I set her Z depth to the kind of highest level so she appears above other things, and I place her on top of that one blue tile. I set acceleration to uh, gravity, essentially. This 200 is going to make her want to fall when, when nothing else is impelling her upward. And telling her to stay in screen so she doesn't fall through that block. I, oh, it might not be necessary now that I have the bottom set as wall. 
and then I set up this animation. So I've shown animations before. This is the same sort of thing, except I'll just show you. Here's one, two, that's extension of the legs, three, compression of the body, but with the tail out, and then the tail swings back in. And then I did the same thing for the opposite side, and I won't show all of those. Um, then, let's see. Um, yeah, that's the continuation of the animation. Uh, so this is an interesting one. If the debugger is on, I'm going to show you what these little offset nulls that I created are. If the, if the uh, debugger is off, then you won't see them. But it's kind of important to see these for me to explain this next part, which is how the camera works. So, so we'll skip ahead to that. Um, set offset left position to lens x value plus 35 units and then the right is the opposite. So what I'm doing is I'm actually creating two sprites that always travel with the character that we can't see because I've normally set their sprite to be nothing. And the whole reason I'm using this is for this type of um, scrolling game, the way we keep the character in the screen is with this center camera, um, which I don't know where I've got it right now, but somewhere in here... Let me look for a gray block. I think it's gray. Uh, and it might be in my setup. I'm using, let's see. Is it not an on start? Okay. Center camera. Okay, it might not even be, uh, I think I'm using a variation on it, which is going to be in on one of the on-game updates. Um, stand by. Camera follow. Okay, I'm using it. Okay, I'm doing it when I press buttons. So what happens is when I press the A button, uh, I want Lynn to be on the right side of the building. And when I press the B button, I want her to be on the left side of the building. So I'm actually jumping in space. And if we use the regular follow of Lin, what would happen is Lin would stay in the center and the building would jump left and right, which is really disconcerting. So what I'm doing instead is I'm switching the camera to follow two imaginary blocks that are on either side. So uh, this is going to be easier to show than explain any further. So I'm going to turn on the debugger and let's go ahead and run the game. So what you're going to see immediately is this red block here and this blue block. And so what happens is when I press the B button, Lin jumps over to the left, but you'll see that that null, which is offset from Lin's position by 35 squares, is going to be at the center. And so no matter where Lin is, I have one of these two objects at the center, and I tell the camera to look at that. Don't have the camera look at Lin. Otherwise, we would see Lin in the center all the time and the building switching back and forth. Um, so this is a bit of a hack, but it works. So you can see here, as I climb, when I switch to the other side, I'm going to keep one of those two nulls at the, at the center. And so a null is just something that you can, it's a term common in, in lots of different areas, but in computer graphics it often means a little invisible transform or locator that's the child uh, hierarchically of something else. So that's sort of how I'm treating it. Is, uh, we don't have hierarchies in here, but I'm treating it sort of like that. Um, so, uh, I hope that makes sense, what, what's happening there, and uh, it, it allows me to avoid making the player feel sick because the camera is sitting, uh, the camera's sitting on a character while the world is moving around 
too disconcertingly. Often we do want the camera to follow the character around, but in this case, because I'm doing these uh, 35 or 70 pixel jumps, uh, I needed to have two halfway points with these two offsets. Um, so then what else is going on when I hit these buttons? Let's, let's look at that. When I press either button, they basically do the same thing. First, we check, is the game on? So that variable has been flipped, then yes, good. Has the goal been met yet? Uh, which means we haven't reached the top. And we'll say, yeah, we haven't met that goal yet. Okay, then when I press the uh, A button, we're gonna jump over to set lens X to 180. And when I press the B button, it goes over to 110. So there's a 70 pixel difference. Uh, I set lens velocity in both cases to be negative 45. So negative Y uh, is up and positive Y is down. I activate the climbing animation, either the right side one or the left side one that I showed before. And then here you can see I'm telling the camera to follow one of these sprites or the other. Uh, in fact, if, I, if you wanna see what this would look like without it, what I'll do is I'll switch this to Lin. Uh, so we'll say in both cases, just always follow Lin, forget about that offset, uh, null. So we're not looking at those nulls anymore. We're just following the character and We'll set this to play again. So here you can see that's the problem, right? As I, as I switch, if the character is always dead center, then the whole scene just jumps around too much. The, the sort of foreground stuff is jumping like crazy. Uh, and it's really hard to, to keep your orientation in the game. So that, maybe that would have been good to demo first. But to solve that, that's why I have uh, these nulls in the scene and why I'm telling the camera to follow the left or the right one. So here is Lin offset uh, right and here is Lin offset left. Uh, and then I'm playing a little tone. So there's that little bing, 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 which is the, the walking climbing animation. Um, so let's see what else. How are we doing on time? We're, we're, we're doing pretty good. I know this is a lot, but hopefully with some of the foundation that we've had in, in Make Code Arcade, uh, a lot of this is familiar and making sense. So let's now just talk about creating the enemies. We'll look at the brick because that one's simpler and uh, the crows are almost identical just with a couple of complexities. So the bricks don't animate, that's one simplicity. What I'm doing is every almost a second, 800 milliseconds, I'm going to see if my little variable that says, yeah, we're dropping bricks right now, and, and basically I don't drop them when the game uh, goal has been met. So I just stop you from getting hit in the head once you've finished. Uh, so if that's true, uh, then this is an iteration through a list. So I have an array of tiles, which are the pink tiles, and those were just three or four tiles that I placed at the top of the map. Um, and this uh, value is kind of like an index uh, that's just going to say uh, pink block zero, pink block one, pink block two, pink block three, and it's going to loop through those. So it's going to grab the first one of those, then it's going to, this is kind of a cool one, if you look in... Uh, logic, you can grab an if block and down at the, where is it? Is it in math? There's this percent chance thing, this purple per zero percent chance. Can you see that one, by the way? I hope I'm, yes. Whew. I want to make sure it wasn't off screen. Uh, so I'm throwing in a 10% chance that when we look at one of these blocks, we're going to proceed with the contents of this if statement. So if we get, it's a really nice convenience to just say, I want to sort of random chance uh, that, that I get a block. So then what I do is I create this sprite called brick. It looks like a brick that I created. Again, you can see here I'm using some uh, dithering 
to create uh, this checkerboard pattern to create a more maroon color, a dark, darker red color that doesn't exist in our palette. Uh, calling it of type enemy, so that's something we'll check against when we have a collision. Uh, and then I place that on top of the pink uh, 0, 1, 2, 3, or 4 tile. And then I'm giving it a negative uh, or a, a positive y velocity, which is heading downward. And destroy on wall means it's going to disappear when it hits the bottom because the only wall is that bottom road piece. And then I'm playing a sound. And this is the only sort of super tricky thing going on. I thought the camera null thing was a little tricky, but this is very tricky. This is a brand new feature um, that's not really out yet in the blocks, but it's available in JavaScript. So what I did is I pasted this line over in Java and it just keeps it when we get back over to blocks. And this is a upcoming uh, sound feature that allows you to do a glide. So what this is saying is I'm going to start at 1320 hertz, which is a high-ish pitch tone, and then I'm going to take 800 milliseconds, about, uh, about a second, to get down to uh, 440. So this just goes, which is the sound of the bricks falling. And so I have one there. And then if we look at the birds, they act pretty much the same way. Uh, everything I just said is the same, except I'm also setting up a little two-frame animation. So here is flap up, and here is flap down. Uh, and again, you can see, just to maintain some visual clarity, I'm using uh, a little bit of a checkerboard on the tops of the wings when they come down so we can see them. Different tone. Um, this makes this rising sort of bird sound. And I do that on the left side and the right side, just because I have different animations and different directions to go. Finally, we're, we're almost done here, I promise. Uh, how do we deal with these collisions? We've got, I think, just two, two collision cases to, to look at. So um, here is whenever either a brick or a bird, because they're both of type enemy, overlaps type player, we're going to drop the life counter by one. We're going to get rid of whatever that sprite was, so it can either be the bird or the brick. It'll just kind of disappear in a poof uh, with a ring effect for 200 milliseconds. And we shake the camera a little bit just to give you a feel of a collision. Um, and then I think the last one is when we hit the goal. So that is this. On the sprite of kind player overlaps other sprite of kind goal. We're going to flip that goal flag to true so that we stop dropping bricks. I think I'm still letting the birds fly by because I thought that was fun. Uh, we activate idle animation so that uh, the, uh, the character stops going through the climbing animation immediately. Set the acceleration to zero and the velocity on Y to zero so it stops moving. Uh, there we can see I'm setting drip, the drip, the drip, the brick drop to false. I play the little magic wand sound. I play the NeoPixels. So if you'll see, this is the flashing NeoPixels on the Pi Gamer. It won't show up inside the simulator. Uh, and then I, I blink this logo to red and white, so that's how I'm flashing that, that part of the logo. Uh, then I leave it at red, and that is almost it. The last thing is, if we're not in debug mode, then we'll set the game to game over. So, let's double check. We're, let's get out of debug mode, and we'll play it one last time, this time on the full screen. It's actually harder here for me than the Pi Gamer, only because the A and B buttons are kind of reversed on the keyboard. The Z and the y, uh, X are the A and the B, respectively. All right, so also you won't hear sound with this one. Uh, and you can see we're not going to get ah, birds until we get up partway. Get out of my face. Oh, hit my tail. Mean. All right, I'm going to go faster. 
And we have made it. And we get our little flashing animation. And you win. And we get confetti, which is part of that, that effect. Uh, so, whew, that is uh, that is our project of the week. It is called Trash Panda. It is uh, sweeping the nation. People love Trash Panda, right? Um, so some things that you can do. Um, someone in the chat, 8031Brown, your dog wants me to make the bird sound again. That's the bird sound, I think. Uh, Toddbot says, wow, make code has null objects, just like After Effects. Yeah, because I've made them in there. Uh, I'm just very used to that concept. It's, it's really common from, from but yeah, both like 2D motion graphics or 3D, particularly in 3D graphics. I spent a long time in, uh, in 3D programs, and there's always this concept of, I just need a thing over there that's not on top of the thing, or maybe is on top of the thing, but it doesn't look like anything. Um, so... That is Trash Panda. Some things that I think could be done, which would be very cool, is add levels, uh, change the, the challenge, so maybe different enemies coming, uh, speed things up, slow things down, different buildings. Those are all some cool enhancements that I will leave to the uh, imagination of the user, but I'm going to put out a guide on how to build this game. And uh, let me know what you think. I also think multiplayer would, would be interesting, because there's there, I haven't done it yet, but there's ways to do multiplayer with two separate uh, Pi Gamers now in uh, coming. I'm not sure if it's out. I think it might be out. It's called Jack Dak. Look for J-A-C-D-A-C in, uh, in the extensions. It's a whole new world that I haven't explored, but multiplayer two devices uh, with, the, with the Trash Panda could be really fun. I have some other Trash Panda ideas on the way, so, you know, I just can't get enough of the Trash Panda. So, um, I think that is it. So before I go, I want to remind you that Trash Panda, because I can't stop saying the word Trash Panda, will get you 10% off in the store today. So head on over to Adafruit. Uh, and I know we're a few minutes over, so I'm going to cut it off right there, and uh, I will play us out. So thank you very much for uh, joining me. I'm John Park for Adafruit Industries, and this has been John Park's Workshop. <laughs>